So hey guys, I'm your host Evan Kidd. With me is Tony Devon. What's up, man? What's up, man? We're doing a uh, kind of new experiment today, aren't we? How we human podcast show give the world a perspective on creatives. I think that the world doesn't fully understand what we do or how what we do impacts culture, influences culture, and so we just want to shine a light on on the work that creatives and artists do. Yeah, and how it makes us more alike than different, because you know there's so much division today. And how how are we bringing that together? How are we looking at what people are doing uh, individually? Looking at what people are doing together. I think our goal here is really just to have a conversation, like you said. And uh, you know, myself and Tony, we both met back at East Carolina University. Uh, we're both from North Carolina, so you know, we kind of have a humble beginning within the artistic process, trying to figure things out as we went back in art school and that's kind of how we knew each other so I think now we're kind of coming together a few years after that and saying okay what are we going to do with where we're each at in our career and trying to also take questions and frame them into ways that is relevant for people out there like you said uh, I think the biggest thing that we want to do with this podcast is to make it one giant conversation so we hope you join us we hope you guys enjoy this and uh, stay tuned for more because again this is something that's really exciting and if you have any feedback let us know you're listening to the How We Human podcast with your hosts, Evan Kidd and Tony Durban. Tony Devon, founder, CEO of uh, One Accord. Uh, what we do at One Accord is uh, we curate music, uh, indie and mainstream. It's really a, a startup. We do everything we can to like reach out to creatives and influencers and musicians and artists and and really try to bring that world together. I feel like that um, that entire world is is underappreciated. I feel like it's um, under under recognized, and there's really not a place that I can think of that you can find music and art in one place. And so, one accord is that is a, that's that's my vision for it. So, hey guys, I'm Evan Kidd, other host here on How We Human. Filmmaker, drummer, hot sauce enthusiast, that's kind of my deal. Um, really, uh, Tony and I, we go back to art school uh, back at East Carolina University. Uh, filmmaking has always been my thing, and that's actually how we met. He was actually in a uh, documentary I did probably four or five years ago now. And uh, it was really archaic and old when I was just getting into the camera and just getting into everything. But, I mean, we had a good time. It was all about local music and local art, so... Even as far back as that, there's definitely a connection into you know what we're doing here with this podcast. But my main thing is really filmmaking and storytelling. Uh, founder of Rock Set Productions, we really just strive to create unique and engaging content and stories. Uh, very similar to Tony, what he was talking about with One Accord. But I think a lot of times there's kind of a uh, glossing over of the struggle of you know the real life situation of it and that's kind of what we want to shed light on again on the podcast uh you know i've done a number of shorts a couple documentaries and one feature film uh called son of clowns which is on amazon and uh, kind of through all that i've learned that you know if you want to make something in this day and age the tools are there uh the resources are there you just have to be the one to go out and do it and so i think that holds true through music through art through film really anything you want to do. So uh, that, that's kind of what we're going to explore, that kind of process, that kind of energy, and that kind of movement. 
Art school, yeah. I went into ECU, East Carolina, initially undecided um, in 2010. After a year, I, I decided and I committed to um, a concentration in textiles um, uh, with a minor in business. Took textiles and, and really just ran with it. Um, my idea was to, to one day be a fashion designer. Now that I've graduated, I, I, I don't actually even use my degree, which is uh, sets me apart uh, from a lot of people, from a lot of my peers. Um, but I, I still hold that knowledge of five years of art school, um, you know, design, um, color, um, all these elements of, of, of what we use to create what we create. I think there's something to be said, Tony, about trying to apply, you know, what you learn in a different field into something new. Because, you know, if you're doing technology, if you're doing blogging, if you're doing writing, you know, all that background's great, but if you have something new you can apply from a completely different field, I think that's going to set you apart. Kind of going back, now we're going to talk more about going into art school, going into the process of, you know, finding yourself as an artist. What does that mean? How far do you push yourself when you're kind of in a formal system? Do you just kind of stay on that railroad, or do you kind of veer off a little bit, do your own thing, come back to the class projects? That was always something I tried to figure out at the uh, film program at East Carolina within the same school of art and design that I met Tony at. Uh, we had a lot of class projects. We had a lot of design. We had a lot of, uh, you know, painting basic classes we had to take way before we could get into the meat of what we were doing. You know, for me it was film. For you it was textiles. And, you know, a lot of times I was saying, why am I learning this? You know, what is the function of this class in terms of, you know, why I'm you know paying all this money to be here? Because for a while I thought it was kind of not relevant. And I could see that argument, you know, because I, you know, pay a lot of money to be at this school and I would love to be doing stuff that, you know, clicked a little more into what I wanted to do, which was film. But like we were saying earlier, I think it is about trying to take influence from another concentration and another process and applying it to what you're doing, even if it's minimal. Because, you know, there is something to be said about, you know, clocking in those 10,000 hours and what you're trying to do and, you know, what your chosen craft is. But I do think there is something special to be said about borrowing from other places. A lot of my, uh, my textiles influence, like when I was going through my coursework, um, I had a lot of friends in film, uh, a lot of friends in painting. Um, and I would just sometimes go sit in their studios for hours on end just to see what they were working with, watch their process. Textiles is, is like a lot of different fields, it's very process based. Um, that's really where the, where the work is. So yeah, I mean, you're right. Even in, you know, now taking it to one accord and, you know, people are creating content every day. And so having people seeing the end result of, of people's uh, development of their content or whatever, um, it's, it gets me interested in like their processing. I may not do a project for, for weeks on end just because I'm reading about creativity or reading an article here, watching like five different websites, like keeping up with all the latest. It's uh, it really just racking my brain with as much information as I can. So when I, I'm ready to create, it's effortless. Because I think you have to stay up on what people are doing and 
your field. You have to stay up with what people are doing in completely independent fields, just you know, to take that influence. Uh, what do you What do you say about when do you draw that line where it's like, okay, I've read enough, I've listened enough, now I have to create, versus not just creating like you know a factory or a machine where it's just output, output, output. I think it depends, really, on what I'm hoping to achieve. Uh, with a painting, if I'm just painting, um, I may not really search for inspiration for a painting. You know, I may just listen to music, or I might just listen to an article. And what happens is, once I sit down to the canvas, and I may have an initial idea, but the, the idea changes form. Um, and so, when you ask, when do I make that decision? It's really, I feel like it's out of my control, out of completely. It's, um, but that's kind of the, the enjoyment of it for me. It's, um, it's intuitive. I mean, what about you, man? I mean, I know film is a lot different process. It's definitely more team driven, uh, for better and for worse. Cause a lot of times in film, uh, you know, of course I have a camera and I have a mic and a lot of times in documentary, I will be the only crew member and I'll just go out and shoot something because, you know, it's time sensitive and if I don't shoot it, you know, it'll go away. But on the other hand, you do a lot of times have to worry about things like budget and things like funding and just logistics. Uh, you know, when you're recording something outside, if a plane flies over, you have to stop. I used to do a little bit of painting and it's super different because, you know, when I was painting, I really didn't have to worry about anything but myself. And, you know, if I wanted to create, it was on me, but I didn't have to worry about too many external influences. You know, if there was construction going on next to the place I was painting, that didn't really matter. I mean, it might be a little annoying for me, but, you know, it really didn't apply into the art on a very, you know, sensitive level. But, you know, with film, if there's, you know, people digging up the road or something, you got to move your location. And it's just, you know, a lot of little logistics. So I, I kind of liken it to creating in chaos. Murphy's Law always comes into effect and it's like something will go wrong. Uh, you know, one location may fall through. Like I actually worked on something recently where, you know, one of the actors didn't show up and they had their car stolen. And you know, that's not, you know, anyone's fault. And that's crazy, but it's like, you know, as they say, the show must go on. And so it's like, what are you gonna do about that? Do you have to push the whole thing back? Do you have to, you know, recast the role? And so, it's a tricky and slippery slope, but I think the biggest thing I've noticed in film is that it relies on a lot of other people and a lot of schedules. And so you have to be an individual. You have to hold that passion. You have to hold your own vision. Uh, you have to know what you want. So has there any been a time where you've had a project and it's um, say like a film and it just, you know, you have all these schedules and everybody's trying to come together you have the actors and they're ready to go and the scripts written and got all your equipment together um, but like, you just hit a wall like, and how do you, and if so and how do you overcome that challenge I think the walls are always gonna be there the first level of Super Mario I always think about that because it's like that level is so easy when you play it like everyone has played that level you know what you're getting into. There's like three little pitfalls, but it's pretty much like on a rail. You can't mess up, like you will win that level. 
Uh, as you go deeper into it, you know, you're going to hit more walls, more obstacles, uh, more of the little turtle things. I can't remember what they're called. But, you know, in, in that game, there's all these obstacles. And I kind of think about that like film because I've embraced that. And for the longest time, I felt this really big frustration, to be honest. And it was that, you know, I'm an independent filmmaker. Uh, I don't often have a lot of budget, if any at all, on some projects. And it's kind of like, okay, this story is relevant to me because it won't be told if I don't do it right now. And so I've embraced the fact that with that decision, I'm always going to get obstacles and I'm always going to get these things kind of impeding the journey. But I think that's also part of the journey because if it was easy, it wouldn't be filmed. And it took a while and it took, you know, stubbing my hypothetical toe, so to speak, a few times and like seeing what works and what doesn't work. But, you know, at the same time, I, I think it's embracing it that really made me a better filmmaker. You, you've put out albums. Uh, what, what is your thought on that when you can take something like, you know, an obstacle in textile is probably going to be very different from an obstacle in music, but I'm sure there are some similarities. In music, if, if you don't have, if you have a beat and you don't have the music, I mean, if you have the beat and you don't have the lyrics, then uh, you won't have a finished product. Um, so it's just like in textiles. I mean, you can't thread without a needle and thread. Um, in one accord, I mean, it's all contingent on every other artist in the world, essentially. Mm -hmm. um, indie and mainstream alike. Mainstream music doesn't come out that often. Uh, maybe once, twice a month. Trying to find the indie artists and uh, and really coordinating with them, getting them to send their press releases, getting them to send their links, bios, all of that jazz. It's uh, it's really it's really um, it's really a patchwork uh, type of product. Do you feel like trying to get perfection is, is a stupid goal, or do you think it's possible within that? Perfection <laughs> is definitely overrated. <laughs> um, it's, it's almost like, a, like an intangible goal. Like it, it, we feel like it exists, and we all strive to, to reach out and get it, but it's like you never really grab the perfection. Um, you can only hope for it. You can only... I mean, that's, that's why we're creatives, maybe. For some of us, it's, you know, you wanna create that perfect piece. And sometimes it's, you miss, uh, more times you miss more often than you hit. So it's, uh, but that's part of the journey. That's, that's the adventure. It's kind of like an Indiana Jones movie. Definitely. Where, where you're hit with all these obstacles and then he's back for another adventure. And, and I think, like you said, that's the journey. And it's, as creatives and as artists, we have to embrace that. Because if we don't embrace that, I think we get caught in this loop. Dr. Dre's last album, Compton, how he just made that real fast after he was delaying and delaying and delaying the other one. And I don't know, like, what happened with that, but it just came out of nowhere, really. Yeah, it's, uh, and, I mean, he came out with that, and then... You know, he spent all his time with Kendrick. You know, Kendrick yeah. dropped his album, and, and now we've seen how far he's taken off. It's interesting to see other creatives work as well. Like, mm -hmm. we could spend all our time 
creating 24-7, but I think it's only half of it. If you're not watching other creatives, watching the culture and watching how culture is moving, then it's kind of hard to predict with any accuracy or precision where that next step is gonna be. With respect to, to Dre, I think something he's always had as an artist, which is interesting, is he's been able to kind of sit back and let someone younger come up a little bit under his influence and under his wing. But also I feel like he's very humble in that he's learning at the same time. Because like you said with Kendrick, like they spent so much time together before that album came out. And you have to wonder, like, to be a fly on the wall in those, you know, studios with them, what you know, I'm sure they had some conversations that like maybe kick started some of that idea for him to just kind of scrap what he was working on for all those years and then just to do Compton in twenty fifteen. Because I think he said he created that in a few months. And see, that was super interesting to me. Like, I would love to have a documentary about that process. And Dre's been in the game for a long time. So it's easy to see his perspective on that. Right. But then if you, if you find an artist like Kendrick, who's completely different from anything that he's ever done, yet still intimately tied to everything that Dre has done, Mm -hmm. it, it, as Dre, you have to step back and think like, wait, is this the route I want to go? Or should I invest in this kid who has all this potential? Kendrick says it a lot. He, he embraces, uh, I've seen a lot of interviews where he talks about embracing his influence and embracing uh, the responsibility he has to culture and all, that, all of that. And I think that's true for all creatives. I think right. that all creatives have a responsibility to the culture. Um, you know, to, to create, to inspire, to, to influence, um, if not the people immediately around them, uh, definitely the world at large. Because if somebody connects with it, if one person connects with it, then, then you've won. So what do you think about, um, I guess, consumer culture? I was watching Virgil Abloh uh, give this talk, brought up the idea of selling out. Mm -hmm. And it's a room full of creatives. And it made me think, um, you know, we go to art school and as a freshman, you know, it, I heard it a lot, actually, like selling out, like don't sell out, you're an artist, blah, 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 this, that, and the third. And then you get a guy like Chance, the rapper who doesn't sell anything, who doesn't sell out, uh, has full creative control, and he's changed the way people view music. Absolutely. An indie artist. So what, what do you think about that? Um, I, yeah, I mean, it, it's different with every medium for sure, but I think the way Chance has done it within music is kind of a way that a lot of people may want to look in their respective mediums because he's really not beholden to anyone, but somehow what he says and the art he creates resonates with people you know, he doesn't have to have a formal record contract. He's able to put things out on his time, on his schedule, and in his own way. And you have to ask, what would his music sound like if he did make that decision to sign that contract? You know, he, we wouldn't have what we have from him now. It would be completely different. I think in regards to that kind of self-starting mentality with Chance or really anyone, that's the way we want to look. Because, you know, I did a feature uh, back in 2015 in North Carolina called Son of Clowns. We had a vision, we had an idea, and we didn't have funding for it. So pretty much me and my producer 
pulled together some money out of our pocket and it really wasn't much it was basically enough to like put some food on the table because we were working like 20 hour days and like you know you got to feed people and put coffee in the system to keep you know the machine running so to speak but like really outside of that like that was mostly it we could wait around for two three four years and just shop the script around and like email people and call people skype people all that stuff uh, and I think eventually, if we did that, something would have stuck. But who is to say how long that process would have taken? Because, you know, it could have taken years. I mean, that's the beauty of just starting something. It's, it's 10 times more difficult, but 100 times more rewarding. Obviously, people want distribution. Obviously, people want listeners. Obviously, people want viewers. Uh, people want to get their work seen. I mean, let's not beat around the bush. But you also want to create something that's meaningful and there's a fine line and so I think really if you're able to create work yourself and you kind of take those you know initial risks yeah it might cost some money for studio time for a camera for a canvas for whatever you're trying to do but if you invest a little bit in yourself at the start it's gonna show people you know coming in later two three albums two three films into your game okay this guy this gal knows what they're doing they're starting something of their own volition so maybe now we'll invest in them because i think like people people watch that's what i think like people watch and they kind of sit on the sidelines for the first one two three things people do and they kind of say okay let's see what this person's doing let's kind of watch the come up a little bit before we swoop in and you know try to offer something else assistance money contract you name it even if you know the the gap in what you're doing from project one to project two is only two percent you know more money two percent more equipment two percent better production value i think as long as you're growing even if it's on that really minute level i think you're doing it right thoughts on we had to take a lot of art history classes which is great it's just focused on art that was created you know hundreds of years ago which is like i said very important but there is something to be said, I think, about the challenges of being an artist. And I'll go ahead and say it, especially in America, because, I mean, if you look around the world, go to Europe, they've got programs within the functions of society to kind of, you know, nurture the arts and kind of say, okay, if you're an artist, you know, we have this program within the government or within this business to kind of like, you know, set you up a little bit to start. And that's something that's valued. It's really seen as something to help artists grow and to foster that. And really here, that doesn't exactly exist. So it's really up to the individual artist to take it in their own hands and kind of survive the American system of art. <laughs> and I think that's something that's interesting because art school does not prepare you for that. They don't tell you that. They basically just kind of assume, you know, things will work out for you. And I think what would be functional, and I would love to hear your opinion because you took those business classes, is how do you kind of go into the world as a creative, as an artist, and whatever your field is, and become successful, especially when you're kind of going in against the system that is not really there to see you succeed. Man, I think to be a successful artist in, in American society, um, it takes a little bit of what you said and a little bit more. Um, mm -hmm. You do have to take that initial step because nobody's gonna give you that opportunity. Uh, so don't look for it. Nobody's gonna uh, guide you in the right direction as an artist. So don't look for it. You really have to to strap up your own backpack and decide, okay, 
I want to be an artist. I'm going to do what I want to do, and nobody's going to tell me no. And that's really mm -hmm. the attitude you have to take if you want to be an artist in America, and a successful one at that, because the business world is just as cutthroat as the attitude of an artist. People are going to tell you no. People are going to shut you down. People are going to, you're going to pitch your ideas to people, and they're not going to email you back. And that's going to crush you. I mean, there's tools out there. I mean, right. you've got Twitter, um, which is what I use personally. I see creatives post their art on there daily, hourly, um, really with no even, they have no backing of a, from a brand. They have no backing from any business. It's simply them putting their art on Twitter and hundreds of people retweet it. And that's that's traction, that's momentum. That's a business, that's a brand win, if not a business win. Because you are the brand at that point. Exactly, exactly. And if people recognize you from your art, then, I mean, you've already won as an artist. We live in a time where the entirety of human knowledge is collectivized and available online. I mean, pretty much everything people have done for thousands of years has been condensed and put electronically online. Like, we can go access that anytime. You want to go read about some random war that happened in 1238? Go for it. You know? It's out there. I mean, will you access it? Will you need it? That's to be determined. But I think you're right. Like, it is very difficult to be an artist in 2017 America, of course. But I don't think it's all doom and gloom either because... There are resources out there, like you said, on Twitter, uh, Tumblr. I think if you're a visual artist, there's so much cool stuff happening on Tumblr. Um, I, I go on there sometimes just to look at paintings and you know graffiti and anything like that. I mean, it's it's beautiful. It's it's such a simple way to share that kind of a visual thing. I mean, with something like textiles, I'm sure you, you can sort of do that. But really, the beauty is holding the product, wearing the product kind of experiencing the product yourself, I'm sure. Uh, you know, with film, big conversation going on right now is what is the role of a movie theater these days? I, I don't even go to the movies anymore. I went one time last year. Now I'm with my girlfriend because she begged me. What movie? <laughs> what movie did we go? We, we went to go see like, uh, like The Hobbit or something a few years back. Okay. It's like one of those big movies that you kind of have to see. Yeah. You have to see it. So we went... We did the whole shebang, popcorn, drinks. But other than that, like I'll catch a bootleg or get a $3 <laughs> movie down the road I'll go to yeah. and catch a movie like six months later just so right. I can save money. It's interesting, man. And it's funny about the bootlegs because it's like people have asked me that before. It's like, you know, as a filmmaker, what are your thoughts on bootlegs? And it's like, you know, that stuff is out there. There's nothing I can do to stop that. There's nothing I can say to make everyone like want to go jump off and go buy DVDs like that time is pretty much over talk about embracing the situation that you know you're living in right now I actually found out my feature son of clowns is on a bootleg site so like anyone could go watch it and it's like I just googled it just to see and it's like fourth or fifth page it's like out there someone had to rip this thing off of like Amazon or what I like I mean that's like what's interesting like rip off of yeah. Amazon that's that's wild dude like people people set up like screen capture software on their computer and they just like hit play and let it record like but there's someone out there doing that and it's like are they doing it for archival purposes because like you know they're not getting paid for that like 
you know that that's what's interesting to me like there's these whole subcultures that we don't really think about um because it's like my movie it does not have big name stars it is a very very small very very humble independent movie but someone out there took the time to bootleg it which i i actually think is kind of cool i would love for people to go buy the movie because like you know that's how i make a living but at the same time it's like i can't quite be mad at that either so you know it, it's interesting like it's it's talking about like embracing what we're in i went to a three dollar movie i went mm. in there and i sat down and you know I, I i was thinking about this exact question i was there was about i don't know 70 of us in the movie theater um, we were watching the movie with uh, Mark Wahlberg where they had the BP oil spill. Oh, yeah. Okay. And, and we're all just looking at the screen. And it made me think, like, as much as we're out, like, talking as humans, like, we're all just sitting there watching a screen. And which we all went for the same purpose, but mm -hmm. once you get in the movie theater, there's, there's layers to it. It's... it's um, I mean, you're in there with 70 other strangers. But it's really the modern day gallery for film. And I mean, you know, you have curation and it's like, okay, do you want to go see the latest Transformers movie? Maybe not. But, you know, if you're at a film festival like a Sundance or, you know, South by Southwest is going on right now and there's all kinds of innovative and creative content that I think really is best experienced in a theater. Like, obviously I'm a filmmaker, I want people to see my movie in a theater every day of the week. I don't have the access to get my stuff in a theater very often, so you know when I do, it's a special occasion. Uh, and obviously, if there's other artists out there, I want to support that experience because I love it. But culturally, like I definitely see it on the decline. Like I think uh, Spielberg and George Lucas, they're talking about the traditional Hollywood blockbuster is probably going to go downhill a little bit and go away and kind of become more of like. A niche thing so instead of having you know two big movies come out every month you'll have one or two come out quarterly and it's like okay this is almost like you know going to a theme park instead of going to the movies it won't be so ingrained culturally because you know you look at Netflix House of Cards all these series Orange is the New Black very cinematic experiences super high budget and you can only watch them in your living room like there is no other way to watch them like they're even making full movies on Netflix now that are only available that way they're changing the game they're changing the conversation uh, you know who's creating the platforms are these creatives that are making these new ways of viewing movies like Amazon Prime and and Hulu so you don't even need a television anymore all right you, or all you need is your computer which is you know if you get a Mac it's a thousand dollars which is it's not a TV, but you get access to everything you could ever want. Quentin Tarantino, he talked about he hates the thought of people watching his movies on their phone, but people do. Like, I, I, I hate watching stuff on a phone, but I still watch stuff on a phone. <laughs> like, if I need to, and if that's, you know, the device I have access to, if I'm traveling, if I'm doing this or that, like, time is so, you know, quick and sensitive now. I don't always have the luxury of saying, okay, I'm going to wait till I'm home with, like, three hours free to kick up my feet and like, you know, there is something to be said about that, but sometimes it's like, you just want to watch something. All these screens that we have in our, you know, living room, in our pocket, going to a theater, they're just different ways to do the same thing at the end of the day. I think as long as your story holds up within a film, you're, you're really doing it okay. It's it's up to the viewer how they're going to experience it. And I think as the artist, you can, you can influence, 
but I don't think you can have that final say. We're in an age where brands and, and personal branding uh, for creatives and how, how we are all human and we all have the ability to, to brand ourselves. This show, what we're trying to do here, it's called How We Human. So we're trying to figure out how do we do this thing artistically as human beings in this one cultural level, in this one cultural society, but still make work that's meaningful and kind of keeping true to that human question, you know, why are we here? What are we doing? Things aren't perfect. As long as we're going up, that's kind of what I look at it as. As long as we're growing in some way, shape or form, like I said, even if it's only like 0.5% from the last thing you did, um, I think that's progress. And I think as long as we're not going backwards, but in the art and in the enlightenment, if you can sort of have that as your own journey parallel to, you know, politics, news events, anything else, like, I think it's important for people to have that separate sphere of individual discovery, too, because a lot of times the collective is going to fail you and the collective is not going to hold up to what you want to see happen. And I think it's important to stay involved and, you know, stay activated in what you want to see in the world. Absolutely. But I think also personal discovery is a way to kind of link into that sometimes and kind of take it somewhere. Because I think, you know, with with creatives, like you said, uh, we really just want to share our stuff with the rest of the world in some way, shape, or form. And I guess to kind of, like, wrap things up for this episode, you know, I could keep talking on this for ages. And I think this could even be a whole other episode topic for us to do in the future. But I really think, like you were saying, as long as we're we're growing and as long as we're seeing some form of you know personal enlightenment because like i think back to like history class a lot of times and uh, i don't know what grade i was in at that point but like they're talking about the enlightenment and like you know it was right before the age of all the machines but it was coming out of like the dark ages people were discovering art literature this and that and there was a real cultural shift to embrace that and you know foster that and i think we're kind of lacking that a little bit today from the kind of formal places so I think it's kind of up to the individual to bring that back. And that's such a philosophical thing. I mean, that there is no way to really easily wrap your head around that. Um, it really is something that creates way more questions than answers. But I think that's what we're going to set out and discover on this podcast. And I think that's what you know, it gets me excited to kind of come back in the booth again for the next episode and kind of keep that up. Because I think, like we said at the top of this, the whole function of this show is to get people excited to create, get people excited to learn, and to get people excited to innovate because it takes a village to do this stuff. Like, you can't do it on your own. I want to look at this whole podcast as saying, okay, this is one giant conversation. There are two sides to every coin. Making through these complexities can help bring greater understanding. Music helps us see outside of ourselves and brings us closer together. So keep creating and express yourself to the fullest. And even if you choose to live your life a little different, support those artists and creatives that know what it means to be human. I think this podcast should be representative of us just asking a giant question. And it's really one long, drawn-out conversation. Mm-hmm.